welcome to Auto Media Podcast, Episode 4. My name is Mark Sheriff. I'm from the YouTube channel, Mark and Cars. And I have with me my co-host, Simon. G'day, Simon. How are you today? Very well, Mark. And yourself? Yeah, super. Where would someone know you from, Simon? Um, Simon, the classic car dude. How have you been? Yeah, I've had a great week. It's uh, been, um, you know, good balance of work and leisure. Didn't get out in the car as often on the weekends as I'd like, but I did muck around a little bit in the garage. We all love garage time, let's face it. Just as an introduction for any listeners that haven't heard us before, check out Mark and Car's YouTube channel. I own a 1960-356B Coupe and a 2020 GR Yaris. Simon, what do you got in the garage? Oh, Mark. It's only an hour show, isn't it? <laughs> I've got two motorcycles, a Yamaha 1968 DT1, which we are going to restore because my mate Shawnee and I are going to take it up to his place and we're going to work on it one day a week. Okay. And, and then we're going to get it going and then uh, then take it from there. But it's actually, you'll be so proud of me. It's moved in the garage. Fantastic. It's moved towards the door. <laughs> and then from there, it'll go in the back of the uh, Amara and off it'll go. And we'll, yeah, okay. Uh, get it going. And I've got a Yamaha um, SRV 250, sweet little cafe racer bike. By the way, I'll just point out, I don't have a motorcycle license. I just have things I can ride. Um, so I'm having lessons at the moment. I had a lesson today and uh, in the rain. I don't know if you're in Perth listening to us, but it was a very rainy day. And that's my first lesson in the rain. That's a wake-up call. Wet pants? Hype. Well, the front were anyway, mate. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the, uh, talk about hypervigilance. Yes, and, yes. Um, you know, your senses are, are definitely uh, hypervigilant. Uh, interesting experience. I must say I quite enjoyed it, and I really am digging uh, motorcycle riding at the, at the tender age of 62. Yeah, good Anyway, my son, who's 18, um, drove off uh, yesterday in the, the brick, the, um, the, red, Swedish. the red square Swedish Volvo, and, um, and I don't think I'm ever going to see it again. He's very comfortable. He's taken off with it. I, um, There's no better car than someone else's, Simon. Oh, yeah. And I've set it up with a mattress in the back, and um, sure, I think sure. he's on. He's in heaven. Yeah, good here. He's heading down south to do the, that, the old grain bin thing. Is that the sun? Uh, that's, he's going up to Corrigan to work on the oh, grain bins, but yeah. he's heading down south to do some surfing this weekend in, in my car, yeah, okay. which is now his car. Yeah, how, does that, how does that figure? <laughs> what else? What Any other cars in the oh, garage still? Oh, no, that uh, Lotus is threatening to come out from the UK any time now, which should be mm-hmm. exciting. I reckon it's going to be January if I'm lucky before I see that car. That means it's been a year since I bought it. Container costs are fairly prohibitive oh, at the moment, Simon. Yeah, it's going to be four times. But anyway, I might do roll on, roll off. I haven't decided yet. Okay. I'm going to talk to my good mate, Jeff Ash, who knows all things car movement. For new listeners, tell us what is a Lotus? Well, it's a Lotus XL, a 1992 model. Not to be uh, confused with the 1992 Hyundai XL. No, I don't think they made an XL in 92, but maybe they did. I, I wouldn't know. be around that era, wouldn't it? Yeah, you'd look, you'd notice a difference if you saw one. Yeah, you would for sure. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's a really sweet thing. I'm having fuel injected. Anyone who listens to us knows this by now. But yeah, and uh, chips are proving very difficult to buy for the ECU, and I'm just waiting, waiting, waiting. Anyway, while we're there, they talked me into refurbishing the bumpers and doing a few other things to it Classic. before it um, eventually leaves Blighty and makes its way to Australia. Sure, so what what, do you, what did you drive here to? What, uh, that's our, sorry, I forgot, we have a Suzuki Swift that we bought off Granny, because yeah, she's okay. now 94 and she's lost a license. And um, so yeah, we brought it up from Albany and uh, just another car hanging around the house, as you do. Did the um, race car get picked up? No, that deal fell over. Um, oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's, it's bugging me. 
Um, I've had two inquiries this week. This is a Volvo 123 GT that competed in Target Tasmania and did the Sydney to London rally and uh, two of the high country uh, rallies in um, out of Mansfield in Victoria. Anyway, it's a weapon, it's fabulous. I took it to Classic Cars and Coffee on Sunday. And, Temporary uh, vehicle permit, I assume, movement permit? I'm just not just responding. Say yes. Just yeah, say yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. And, um, <laughs> yes, Your Honour. Then, uh, you know, a lot of admiring lookers. I had one call after that. There's a guy coming up from Bustle to look at it. But, um, yeah, I mean, people commit to it, and then one decided she had a tax bill that she had to meet, and another one got um, sadly got a case of cancer, oh. uh, thyroid cancer, and so that slowed him up. Yep, and he's sure. already... They, Target Tasmania were chasing him to enter Target Tasmania again, but in the touring section, he's, a, he's 84, and they wanted him to do it in a you know, suitable car. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's not going to happen. And uh, But you know the nicest thing? I've got to meet some of the most gorgeous people through um, trying to sell that thing. Yep, sure. And, um, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, okay. Been good. Yeah, good one. It's, uh, yeah, well, you're, you're certainly going to meet some uh, interesting characters that are in the market for one, two, three GT race car. Yeah. Um, the the motorcycle that I'm uh, learning on is a Honda CB125. Yeah. And they say you meet the nicest people on a Honda. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> That's an advertising campaign from the 60s. Totally wasted on you. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It's, this is uh, not my generation, Simon. Mm. Um, actually, we're not that far apart, but that's a problem. There was a, an ad that was proposed and they got, they canned it. And it was, if you wanted something red and throbbing between your legs, you need to get a Honda. But anyway, I can't imagine why they didn't proceed with that advert. Yeah, I, I just don't think it translated very well with mm. you know from the Japanese <laughs> to the English. Speaking of Japanese, let's talk about this Episodes sponsor, Kuoi Kyoto Watches. Let's. Kuoi is a watch brand that was established in the historic city of Kyoto in 2020. The brand was created with the vision of appealing a classic design from Kyoto to the world. They want people from around the world to enjoy high-quality classic watches made in Japan. You can check them out at www.kuoi-en.com. And they make pretty watches for men. Are you wearing one today? Tonight? Just so happens I am, Simon. Show me this one. Is it the green one? No, this is the uh, oh. navy blue. You've got how many? A few. A few. Yeah. Because you know what? You I'm, don't have any. I'm feeling like the drummer in this band. <laughs> you know what? Let's give Kenji a touch-up. <laughs> Time for Simon to watch. I don't think it'll make something big enough for your wrist because they are quite small watches. You know, and that's why I like them. It's magnificent. Yep. You know how... Uh, the drummer, he, he doesn't get the chicks. He never does. Yeah. Never does. Mm-hmm. They're too busy fill it, pick, packing the van at the end of a gig. That's it. Yep. Yeah, I'm the drummer <laughs> in Spain, Mark. So on, uh, on Sunday, Sunday? Yes, Sunday, gone. I spent the afternoon fitting a new set of wheels to my Yaris. Oh, you put them on? I have. White wheels on a white car with the dustiest brake pads that this oh, earth has ever created. Oh, yeah. And it's been a challenge. I can give you the tip, but... Love them. They look great. Check out my Instagram if anyone does follow me, you know, you three people. And it's uh, there's a few photos there. I'm very pleased with the outcome. It's uh, very exciting. I'm very grateful to Koya Wheels in Queensland for supplying me the wheels because they look amazing on the car. A lot of mucking around, though. I've got to be honest with you. The They're more of a race wheel type yeah. thing, so there's no yeah. centre caps, and it's an all-wheel drive car, yeah. so you've got drive nuts and stuff. But the car's what? Three months old, four months old, are already rusted. So I had to clean the drive nuts and the hubs and everything, and ra- I rattled, I masked them and rattle canned them. And while I had the wheels off, I 
ceramic coated the calipers which mm-hmm. I painted red and um, so there hopefully will be easier to clean in the future but we'll find out anyway did you use a high temperature paint I mean yes of normally you powder coat a caliper they, yeah. those days are gone Simon mm-hmm. the, uh, yeah they're, they're all painted now rattle can effectively wow yep the um, but yeah they the brake calipers look amazing I got the proper GR rally yeah decals to go on the caliper oh, of so course you business. did yeah of well, you course know, you did yeah. <laughs> and with the white wheels, the red calipers, they look Hollywood, you know. Whilst we're on the topic of Toyotas and, and new ones, might add, mm-hmm. I test drove the new Toyota High Ace van. I oh, did one. you the big the thing that's almost square. The, the, yeah, They're that wide. And uh, got to say, what a fantastic vehicle! You would love it, wouldn't you? You could have forty five surfboards next to each other yeah, in the back. I yeah, I completely filled the back of the <laughs> with surfboards and trail bikes. You bought one. Look, I'm probably going to order one. Yeah, okay. 52 grand on the road, brand spanking new, three litre turbo diesel. Um, Being a commercial vehicle, is there many comfort options? Oh man, there. It was. I thought I was driving a car, but remember, my yardstick is uh, you know cars from the 70s and 80s, so I'm a bit <laughs> of a poor judge. But I thought it was an incredible vehicle. Yeah. Okay. And mass, a massive amount of space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um. I drove a 2021 Hilux. Okay. A friend's Hilux. I didn't. Diesel. Go to it. Petrol. Okay, right? petrol, yeah. Great power. The interior was as inferior as my Yaris. And considering, like, Hiluxes, they're not cheap dual cabs, you know. That's oh, a, there's a waiting list. Yeah, it's a, like a 60, 70 grand truck, right? It's yeah. got, it had leather. In all honesty, I would say mediocre leather compared to what you get in an Amarok. Mm-hmm. But um, overall, a tool at a premium price, it should be about twenty five grand cheaper. Was my feeling as uh, after I left driving and the car. People queuing up to buy them and have been for twenty years. Yeah, what's going on yeah. there? You reckon? Well, they're just tough as nails, and they do exactly what people expect of them. If you lose any... them out at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. If there are any listeners out there that love Hiluxes, there must be because you know there's that many of them sold. Totally. Tell us why. I, I want to know. I don't get it. You know, you've got a terrible turning circle. You can't park them in a normal parking spot around town. Everyone around town's got them. It's not like they're bought yeah, because they're off-road them. vehicles. Yeah, yeah. Your back seat's too small to sit in, which means your tray's too small to put anything in in the back. I just don't get them. Someone tell me why. Why do you buy them? Anyway, last week's podcast, how do you feel it went? I had a giggle. Viewers loved it. We've had some. I've had some uh, great feedback. We've had two five star reviews on iTunes for the podcast. Two, right? I'm not going to tell you about the eighteen. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you about the eighteen one star reviews. But we got two five star reviews. No, we didn't really. And um, yeah, so it's been yeah a good week for the podcast. Sweet. Everyone loves Ajmal. Oh yeah. Well, I did. Yeah, I thought it was a cat. I've been watching his uh, flat cap uh, podcasts. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a good talker. Yeah, yeah. He's very good. We'll definitely have him on again in the future. And he's suitably tragic. He you is. Know, yeah. He's got things blowing up yeah. and going off the road. Yeah, he's. <laughs> I know. He's, it's right up your rally that yeah, stuff. Is I'm it? going. Uh, like he buys a brand new car, so, uh, not brand new car, but a, you know an old wreck, sight unseen in some far off village and thinks you'll just drive it back. Yeah. I've done worse. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd be, I knew you'd sympathise. Oh, so, dear. um, our guest this evening, why don't you introduce him, Simon? Well, um, how many years ago, Alex, did we meet? 20, 30? 30 years ago, at least. I'm it would be close. Yep. I'm sitting yeah. opposite Alex Forrest, who has been, um, the 
editor of a column in the uh, West Australian for how many years was it? Longest running motoring column in Australia? 21 and a half years. And yeah. Alex, uh, you probably noticed Idle Talk that was in the West Australian newspaper for many years. I think it was second page into the motoring section. And uh, I'd be the first page I'd turn to every time. Tell me, um, it's just a joy that you're here, and I'm, I want to thank you on behalf of Mark and I. What did you know? What was it? Matchbox, Dinkies? What did it to you that did it to us? What was the trigger? <clears throat> yeah. Thanks both for having me on. I'm really flattered that you wanted to have me on the on the show, and uh, I think it's going to be a really fun night. Um, yeah, it, I, I think it was hardwired, Simon, from the start, and uh, it. What really kicked it along was was my dad had some old MG sports cars that that were up in the back shed, yeah. um, about one street across from where we are now, and um, they they were an MGA, uh, two MGYs, an MGTC, um, and another MGA I think as well. When I was really young, um, he had an Alfa Romeo. 1750 GTV Series Ooh, nice. 2. It's a nice one. It actually lives just around the corner. Is it? Yeah. yeah it is. <laughs> I still see <laughs> him on the road. <laughs> his was a little yellow one. He had a Fiat 124 before I was born. Um, and he's had a MG Magnet when he was younger as well. So there's all these stories of these cars that mm. I didn't get to meet when I, before I was born, yes. obviously. And then when I was a young kid, Wandering around these cars and being near them and in them and driven in them, just you know, for people who are susceptible to it, uh, it really leaves a strong impression. And uh, later in life, before I even thought writing about cars was going to be an option in life, because usually when you've you know, been schooled a certain way, you get uh, channeled into a career of some kind or another that's a bit less uh, exciting than what you might want it to be. And uh, the first sign that that was how my life was going to pan out, you know, career-wise was, and I thought it was normal, but maybe looking back it wasn't, it was I'd, I'd get his old car magazines and not cut out the pictures, I'd cut out the phrases from the stories that were in the magazine and put them on my wardrobe and I would have about, you know, 25 of these up on my wardrobe. I just like reading them. I thought that sounded great. Oh, you would clever. be the king of cliches out of auto magazines. Anyway. I'm the king of cliches in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm okay. sure my kids will tell you that. <laughs> um, but, look, yeah, there, there, there's, yeah, there are some awful automotive cliches around. They're, not, they're, uh, they're only awful if you're from outside, you know, the enthusiasm. But yeah. whenever you read a magazine and you know, like we all do it, if it's an article or a magazine these days, some authors or journos, they've just got their go-to 10 sayings, <laughs> you know, and they just roll them yeah. out week or month after month or quarter yeah. after quarter, don't yeah. they? Yeah, they do. And it's just maybe it's just that they can't be able to think of a better one, and it might be because it's not a better one. Yeah. And there's a reason for <laughs> cliches hanging around because there's usually a thread of truth to them. And um, so, yeah, that's where it started. And then from there... And it was always a bit of a far horizon or a light on the hill to use another awful cliche. Um, <laughs> Let's but, run with them all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then after that, it was you know uh, when I got my Volvo. 1800s, 1968. Ah, spend the next half an hour. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> but join the club, and as you do, and 
started writing for the magazine, found that really enjoyable and got some great feedback. And um, then it was, you know, when I was a bit older at uni, so I did, I wanted, let's just maybe start, let's see what journalism is all about and maybe I can, because I know you, growing up, you know all these names that you read in magazines and newspapers and back then, you know, pre-internet days, how do you find people? How do you work out what people do and how they approach their job? And there was no law society that you could go to to get mentors or to, it was mm. very hard to get contacts at the time. And to break into that, and it, there were very few channels as well. So there was, I think back then Will Hagen was on ABC talking about cars. Yeah. There were two new son is now, isn't he? Toby is, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> electric car um, magazine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. AV Central, and um, so it was a quite a hard. Um, thing to penetrate but um i thought the the last day of my work experience on the friday afternoon i said to the chief of staff look can i just go and meet the motoring guys it was mick glasson and paul dicker in the at the west and they were sort of on their way out for drinks almost that afternoon and i sort of came up to them bright eyed bushy guys how's it going good to meet you and um started to chat with them and they said oh you sound really keen and i was and they said have you got some of your stuff there for your portfolio and I thought being keen as mustard I always took it wherever I went and said yep sure here it is <laughs> and um it was just stories from car magazines really that that had been published and that was all so questionable really whether you'd even call that being published but sure. <clears throat> um just being totally in the right place at the right time it was just a one in a million chance and the old Older guy, Dennis Lingan, who was before me, that used to write a column about classic yeah. cars in the West. Yeah. Um, not sure how long he'd been doing it, but I think he was they were, He was on his way out. Yeah. And, um, and Mick said, oh, Alex, do you want to write a column about classic cars? I said, what do you mean, just, just like next week, just that once? And he said, uh, no, like every week. And I sort of... After I picked myself up off the floor and he still had a straight face, because I thought it might have been one of those practical jokes like getting sound sent down the hardware to get some black and white striped paint or some in, indicator fluid or yeah, yeah. whatever, uh, or a long wait. And, um, but no, and then I said, well, what? And he gave me the details of photography. Yeah, just, and it had to be completely self-generating. So I had to come up with that all by myself. And I think it was once in the whole time that I wrote the column over 21 years it was only once that he said, or that the editor said at the time, can you go and just cover this? And everything else was I had mm-hmm. to go and find it out myself. Source. And yeah. source people. And you, Simon, were one of my very early contacts and sources of some great stories. Um, all blank was Peter Briggs was, um, Morris Brockwell, mm-hmm. um, all the some great sources of stories. And it was... <laughs> It, I didn't think it was going to turn out that way because after the first week I did a story about a guy, about um, Neville Martin with his alloy-bodied XK120 Jagger. Mm. That was the most exciting and exotic classic car I knew of in Perth at the time. And now that's worth, what, a couple of million bucks, that yeah. car? about one zillion. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he, he, that was my first job, my first photo shoot. And it was a day like today that I, a pretty, pretty wet day on the roads, and this was a 1949 car, 
Uh, of course, he turned the wick up on that car, so I think it had something like 350 horsepower. It was just an absolute 250 wick. too much? No Yeah, wind. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no windscreen either. Yeah, he just had that um, very low, specs, sort yeah. of almost like an aero. 550 Spider type stick-on token. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and he drove that like a cut cat, honestly. He just, and I thought, you know, <clears throat> my tyre was kind of strangling me in the wind and got back and I thought, yeah, I'll do this again next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, where on earth <clears throat> am I, how am I going to come up with a interesting story every week? And the generosity and the openness of people in the classic car movement at that time in 1997 and it was purely done on the phone. There was no messaging, texting, emailing. Well, didn't exist back then. Nothing, yeah, that's right. So um, it, you had to have a really good little black book of, uh, of contacts. And, yeah. and Which I'm sure you still have. Uh, well, in some form or another, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, um, just before you go any further, Alex, I just want to let the listeners know, <clears throat> Alex, we're to- Alex is talking about the only newspaper we have here in Perth is a daily called The West Australian. So if you are listening from outside of WA or even Australia, this is a news, daily newspaper we're talking about here and Alex's column was in the Saturday, which is in a motoring section, I think, which occurs twice a week in the West off memory. It does now. There's two, two sure. motorings. Yep. Yep. So the, um, yeah, just to give listeners some perspective. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Tell me, you said it was work experience, then you got fell into this. You haven't had to do the token, go out and interview farmers and talk about their <laughs> crops. Or what? Tell us about the other parts. Of your oh, you get sent out this, on the. This is some Hollywood stuff. We're this talking. was Let's good talk fun. About the grunt. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. The, plenty of cat up of tree stories and yeah, yeah, court fun. reporting, a bit of police reporting, and did a bit of reporting actually on the Claremont serial killer as well when I was you know, around that time. Um, but. You know, and a lot of other journos did it as well. You could sort of see that they really wanted to write about cars or whatever their interest was, and mm-hmm. I tended to gravitate towards that. So it just became the, the opportunities to to have a to, to write a story or a column was just a matter of just saying yes, yes, I'll do it. If it's a little magazine here or this little job here and there, yes, 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 I'll do that. I'll do that, and. Um, Almost every story I wrote, I spent way too, way more time on the story than what I was really getting paid and what it was worth doing. But um, and that continued a lot, you know, through even with the column when I was older in the last few years, even because it was always such a pleasure just to sit down, a bit like what we're doing right now, and just do my favourite thing. Crap on one about of my favourite things, just to talk about cars. Yeah, yeah sure. and we're talking here about writing is also a craft that I really enjoy as well, and. I always used to write how, and still do write, how I think and I think I know people what they would like to read. And, you know, the the writers that really impressed me, like Bill Tucky and, and Dennis Jenkinson and um, oh, all those those older writers that, that just had such a beautiful way with words. It wasn't like what you might see in a modern website that's, Got us got stories written in a ma- an amount of time that's limited, and you know most media organisations are unresourced. So the few people that they do have working for them are usually working pretty hard. They don't have a day and a half to spend writing three or four hundred five hundred mm. words, and they've got to churn out stories a lot more frequently than they used to. Um, and 
those older guys from previous generations I used to always look back to because they can see that they just put so much time into those stories. And I guess it was the way that a lot of newspaper columns were written, perhaps should have been written. And um, that's what you tend to gravitate to. And when the subject matter is something that we all enjoy, like this this stuff, it's not hard to sit down and spend time doing mm. doing that. And so what if, if you finish writing the story at three o'clock in the morning, you've actually got something that you're reasonably happy with. Every story could always spend more time on it if you want, but you knock the edges off and it's pretty. It's a pretty tidy little package and then you send it off the next morning. And, you know, it's a, it was always that compression in the release, you know. You, yeah. the, you get the story out and then about an hour later, right, what's next week? Yeah. <laughs> I find it quite fascinating, um, the journalism concept today versus when you started. We're talking, you know, 90s, right? Hmm. The Whereas most things that we get to read are considered to be of a length of what somebody believes my attention span is. Yeah. Okay, so if you look at, you know, um, online magazines. Like um, a hamster. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah about, yeah, that long. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> no, but, yeah, they're all seven to ten minute long reads. They're no longer a four-page essay about an experience, you know, but the print media for classic cars, car enthusiasm or whatever, the disposable print media of that market is just about vanished altogether. We're either getting it online in those dribs and drabs of short spits and spurts of stories, you know, like a, I think I saw the other day, something came through, three-minute review on a car. You don't get a review in three minutes, you know what I mean? <laughs> and the or you're getting this beautifully crafted, printed on amazing stock quarterly that you subscribe to for like four hundred dollars a year, right? <laughs> that sits on your coffee table and it is beautifully photographed and the articles are beautifully written. The middle ground just doesn't exist anymore. Well, it does. Tell me about it. Well, um, I'm a fan, um, subscriber to Octane. Magazine, which um, how often does it come out now? Once a month. Robert uh, Coucher out of uh, UK. He was originally mm. uh, born in Cape Town, and his sure. dad had Bentley Continental and a Lancia Fulvia and uh, all sorts of amazing. And a three five six speedster. Oh, um, he suddenly got credibility here. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> moving right along, folks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the he started a, a magazine, and uh, Rowan Atkinson wrote a column. And then Jay Leno took that column over. Derek Bell, Tony Dron, these are all you know iconic names yeah. in the classic car and racing movement. Sure. So he had a terrific um, consort of uh, you know editors, sub editors, and the photography is sublime. Best photography any magazine, I believe. And there's two editions. There's the sort of newsstand edition, and there's the subscribers, which doesn't have all the what's in the in the magazine on the front cover, just a sure. pro to picture. And, um, yeah, it's a magnificent publication. Oh, um, check it out. I, I particularly used to really enjoy the Rowan Atkinson column uh, because it was just so damn funny. He told a lovely story once how uh, he was so proud of his father who had a Series 1 Land Rover and he li lived in a rural town and the um, all the lanes were snowed in so it was impossible for any of the kids to, uh, you know, their parents to take him to school. So 
Rowan Atkinson's father volunteered and went around the neighborhood picking up all the other kids and taking them to school because he had to use one Land Rover. And <laughs> Rowan was very pleased of it and, uh, until he got to school and they, he realized the hate that he had because they all had to go to school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that. Mm. You remind me of the story about uh, Nick Mason, the drummer. Oh, yes. Pink Floyd, one of the few drummers who did well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> What's he got to watch? Hey, no one recognised him in the street still. <laughs> no. He tells us a great story about how in the 80s when his kids were at school, and the, um, the the people mover wouldn't start and it was very snowy and very wet on sure. <laughs> And uh, he thought, well, the only other car is a 250 GTO. I'm going to have to, <laughs> I'm going to take that. <laughs> and he drove his kids to school. I think it turned two of them at the time and, and dropped them off at school with the, in the 250 GTO, as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I might also um, uh, pick you up on that Hilux as well. I'm mean, sorry, the um, high AC test drove. My favourite... Element of the uh, favorite part of the high aces, the cup holders in terms of the comfort and that sort mm. of stuff. They have a square section in them to fit your chop chill in there as well. Oh, they do they really? So they also hold a regular cup, but there's a there's a square cutout oh, there. Man, my so heart skipped a beat. I th- <laughs> <laughs> there is, hey, that is the demise of middle age spread. I can tell oh, you. The chop milk, I love them, right? But my goodness, that is. Knowing who your market is. Yeah, yeah that's that man. <laughs> that white van man. Yeah, yeah, white van man. Hey, I want to just backpedal a bit. Hmm. Land Rover, Series 1. Tell us about the car you turned up in tonight. Yeah, that was a uh, Land Rover Defender 90. New one. New one, yeah. Pretty cool, 90. All the cool kids drive a 90. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Way cooler than the 110. Yeah, way, way cooler. <laughs> So far less practical, but way cooler. Way less practical. Yeah. I have to agree with you there. Uh, it, um, rear windows don't go down. Uh, see big barn door yeah. um, back. at the back opening. Um, you've got about a, f- a foot of depth in the boot before you get to the back seats. Sure. And fold down the back seats and they don't go flat. But it's <laughs> it a good. very cool car. It is a cool and car. You've, it's a beautifully made car inside. It, the interior is absolutely stunning. Um, what, did they move production to Germany? It's <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it, it's a, from, going from a Series 1, <laughs> yeah, 48. Okay. Uh, and it, look, it, it, it's a petrol, the one I've got at the moment. It, it drives okay, it but power. it's also it's quite powerful for a four-cylinder turbo petrol. 221 kilowatts doesn't feel as powerful in that vehicle yeah um, because it weighs and, two and a half tons yeah and so <laughs> uh and it's you know tall yes yeah that's right so full-time all drive um it's probably the right vehicle for the market they're pitching at in terms of if you're driving around in a car to look the part um you might not want to be putting up with the rattly diesel even though the land rover diesels are quite good uh, Petrol might be a bit smoother. So, yeah, look, it, it's um, it's a fun car. Looks I've got is spec, the Hero spec in that Pangea green with the... Steel um, wheels too, I think. I steelies, yeah, that's yeah, right, perfect, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
so it's it's just a, a, a fun car that is awesome off-road as well. Yeah. Um, I've been on the configurator a number of times. Yeah, you know, and, and you can have a similar time there too, you can, can't like, you? I um, just can't justify the outlay for the yeah, product. Yeah, well, I rotested the, uh, the 110 earlier in the year. And that's quite a different car in terms of practicality. Sure. Um, in terms of probably perceived value as well, because that car is very close to the price of the 110 mm-hmm. spec for spec, and you're getting a lot more practicality. You're probably not getting as much coolness. Oh. You know, that with the Steelys and the colour and the proportions of it, they have absolutely got Nailed that it. right. And with that spare wheel on the back, it just looks as right as the as the old the original one looked in short wheelbase form. Um, There's a lot of those early ones around. There are, yeah. There, I've seen few, yeah. <laughs> there is a lot yeah, of them. Yeah. You know? um, and yeah, the, in t- I'm talking about the proportions. There will yeah, always sure. be the people who count rivets that will pick it, you know, yeah. where that's wrong. But it, 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 they it you look right. at it from the side profile um, and if you're vain enough to look at yourself in shop windows when you're driving along in it, which I've done once only, and won't do it again. Come on, just you've to done check. It more than once. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it does, and I just wanted to see it look like going down the road. Yeah, of course you did. Yeah, and sure. It, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone does this. Yeah, I know they do it. You park your car. I'll you just walk admit away, to it. And, you, and if you dig your car, you always turn back. Yeah, and go, you don't yeah. look back. Yeah. You bought the wrong car. That, exactly. Go, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'll show you do that with the uh, little porker out the back yeah. as well. And um, the Yaris. <laughs> the Yaris as well. I've got a Yaris story too for you as well. Oh, good. The very first um, time we launched this book um, about we called Idle Talk, I had to go to Bunnings on a very wet day again and find a three meter by three meter gazebo. But the only car I had to transport it in was a GR Yaris Rally. Incredibly practical for that. Yeah, <laughs> and okay. at the same time, I also had two young girls with my daughters with me as with well. You. How are we going to do this? Um, Just it would come close with a split fold, wouldn't it? Oh, and I say two seats in the back. Yeah, so oh, this is a, a very long back, yeah. and mm-hmm. quite bulky square shape. We have been the beneficiary of the shade of this uh, gazebo, yeah, that's I believe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we took about 15 minutes in the car park at Bunnings to work out a way of getting sure. in the car, but we did get in the car with two quite, quite squashed girls up against one side in the back seat. <laughs> <of the, laughs> and it was quite a sedate drive home. Sure, yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, What's so your opinion of the car? Uh... I felt that the rally was a lot noisier with a lot more road noise than the regular GR rally. The poppy pack. Yes, the yep. poppy pack. Yep. Um, I'll probably take the non-rally, I'd say, because it's a bit more livable. And even that car, by regular standards, is a pretty pretty hardcore vehicle. I had a lot of fun. Dad's didn't take it on the track. It did feel a very balanced car handling-wise, and it felt like it could really... It, it reminded me a bit of the um, the Ford Focus RS in terms sure. of how easy it felt. Like you send it into a four-wheel drift pretty easily. Didn't mm-hmm. obviously try that on public roads. But, of course not. Um, but the, but we, we, <laughs> we, we, to, two the back, yeah. we did try that in controlled conditions yeah. in the in the Focus RS sure. and it did it very easily. It did give that same sort of poise and balance and it's just sure. in a smaller package, which might, might feel even more fun because, you know, Anything fast and small is going to be hilarious and hysterically good fun. Good fun. So, I, yeah, it really. I'm actually. Does. Um, I've got a rally 
coming to me from Toyota to do a comparison against the, between the oh, two. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I'll do a yeah. video of them yeah. in the, for the channel in the uh, – really see them probably six to eight weeks away until I've got mm. a time window to deliver that outcome. But, yeah, so the Toyota are going to give me a car to have a crack in mm. to do a comparison. And mm. I've, I've got a – I'm going to do a track day down at Collie um, next month and I'm hoping to try and tie it up so I can get mm. both vehicles down there to do the video yeah. comparison. A bit, it'll be interesting driving back-to-back because I have driven each of them separately – Mm. And you quickly forget a car. Like as a journo, I, I don't even know how you do car comparisons. You know what I mean? Like it, it's yeah, just, I, I, you're going to be, I guess, methodical and scientific about it and remove emotion. You know, you have to. You have to absolutely because uh, you can't let your own personal preferences or biases come into it and your own subjectivity. I mean, we get paid to, but because of our, we paid for the experience that we've had in the last twenty five years road testing cars and. How's this one compared going by? And, yeah, it's uh, it, it's still a really enjoyable craft. I think I've, I've – my many varied peculiarities, one of them is I've got a strange way of remembering the dates that I had a vehicle and how vehicles feel. Um, and I think that's probably stood me in reasonable stead, I suppose. But, um, yeah, and I would also want to go back to what we're saying about – motoring journalism in general that's around. I think there are some fantastic writers around and there are people that are as equally passionate about cars as we all are that are getting onto keyboards Mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, I think one of the symptoms that is making some of the content that we seem different from what there was around 20 years ago is just that resourcing where people can't spend as much time on their stories and there's some very good writers around that are producing good copy and in a pretty short time. Um, I wish I could write faster and I wish I could write as fast as some of those guys, but I guess that's just my, my, my process. Um, oh, sorry, go on. So Bill Tucky was um, Rumsey Quince. Yeah, yeah. And um, they did a book, I think it was in the late 80s, of um, all of Rumsey Quince's um, back pages yes, in Sports Car World magazine. Yep. And it was called Of Cars and Men. Yep. If anybody knows where there's a copy... I'd walk over broken glass to get it. <laughs> you'll see, you'll um, see that here first, everyone. <laughs> we will get him walking over broken glass. I'll find a copy. Um, of Cars and Men by... Uh, I know what you're talking about, Simon. Yeah, yeah. And, and we've probably done the same Google search. I have. Um, but I have, as a fallback to that, gone out of my way in the last 20 years to go and buy as many old sports car world magazines as I yeah. possibly can. Is it here at the moment? Yeah. Over there. Um, he... Um, um, told a story about um, the E-Type Jag and the release of the E-Type. And I think he said, oh, if only as many a female had such a pretty tail, <laughs> which is, <laughs> you know, kind of summarises an E-Type Jag. And another one of his quotes that I really Obviously it wasn't a two plus two. No, it was a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a Cooper. The, um, he was discussing Datsun 120Ys. Mm. And uh, he his analogy was that they were like guinea pigs. You see, mm. they look great in the shop, but they stink when you get them home. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> After a while, they begin to stink. <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember that column actually. Mm. And um, he also described his editor Peter Cropley at the time as um, having a beard that resembled the remains of a long dead mattress found at Tempe Tip. <laughs> 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 um, but I absolutely loved his, his stuff and it, I re- he really sculpted 
yeah. a lot of how I the, turned out. The to be. term cornered like a marble in a groove. Yeah. I think it's just fabulous. <laughs> and 20 foot of tortured tin. To describe yeah. the American cast, <laughs> favourite stuff. Yeah, he was, and it, obviously, looking back now, his stuff can look quite dated. Mm. Um, but reading it in, you know, in the manner it was intended, yeah, uh, context, that's the important yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, in context, whenever you read anything, it's got to be like you know, don't get me wrong. Great literature transcends all eras, mm. but we're talking about journalism of a. A very small niche market, mm, and mm, mm. yeah, you just got to take it for when it was written. There's nothing mm. better than reading an old 30, 40, 50 year old magazine. Mm. And the value of it is not just the age of the product in your hand, you look at the dates and you look at the ads, mm. you know, the oh, classifieds and stuff yeah. like that. This is the stuff that gets you excited, mm. and that gives the context to oh, me. Oh, yeah. Those old magazines, you know, fuel maximizers, yeah, snake oil. Grows hair in a billion bottles. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you get that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> so you did mention earlier, in passing comment, the book. Oh, the book, yeah. Let's talk yeah. about the book. Magnificent. Congratulations <clears throat> to great, you. Yeah, thanks, great, great thanks Simon. They're very kind really comments. It's, well it, it's See about... See Hollywood to, shot on the front. Yeah, well, that was, you know, that was one of the iconic cars in WA. That was the um, Type 57 Tourist mm-hmm. Trophy Bugatti. Uh, that was has had been here since, I think, 1938. Yeah. And it left WA in 2018. Um, it was uh, taken to... It was bought. Uh, it was sold in France. I think it was sold uh, to a local as well <clears throat> for just under a million dollars. And uh, what I love about that car is that the long-time owner who had that for well over 50 years, um, Jim Krangersich, um, he was always working on it. And there's a fantastic uh, street Google Street View shot of his house. And it showed, I don't know if it might still show that. <clears throat> it to, wasn't it, next to his garage? Yeah, and the Google camera picked up this $1 million Bugatti that was just leaning on a, I think, a milk crate or something with a wheel off it <laughs> yeah, 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 in yeah. the lean-to that you could see from the street and there was just all these other old cars parked around it as well. <laughs> a couple of, you know, wheelie bins fallen over and it was just the strangest place to see a car like that. Um, but, you know, he drove it, he got it going in the last few was, I think it was dormant for a long period and sure. he had people um, help him out. And the photo on the cover of the book is um, a photo from the auction catalogue of that car. Right. Um, and we obviously got permission to use it. There were two other covers um, that were used and all that were put forward. And the publisher actually went around to bookshops and said, what do you think of these three covers? And they all pointed to the shot of this beautiful French blue mm. uh, Bugatti Type 57. And um, I was obviously you know, brought here by Duncan Ord. Um, I think his family is um, connected. So I think it was his one of his forefathers that the Ord River was named after. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, a pretty strong WA Western Australian family, um, very historic car. One of, the, one of the cars that have come out of WA, which is a bit unfortunate, but I think we've got to also remember there's some awesome stuff coming into WA as oh, well. Yeah. well. At the yeah. moment it's off the chain because of what's yeah. happening in the whole yeah, sector. that's right. right? Yeah. But let's, let's focus on the book. Tell us about yeah. how the book came about. Did well, someone approach you? Did you? Was this something you wanted to do and you approached someone to publish? How, how did this come about? Uh, initially the publisher um, approached me and it was the CEO of um, Fremantle Press and she said, look, we're working on this other book. 
um, and she said, I've been reading your stuff for a long time, really love it. Um, can you help us out with this book? Does she own a classic mean? car? Sorry? Does she own a classic car? Uh, she likes muscle cars, Mustangs oh, yeah, and that okay. sort of thing. Yeah, um, and uh, she wanted me to help with a book that was photos of cool classic cars taken around in Western Australia um, in well-known like cool If you taken in Cottesloe and that yeah. sort of thing. And um, she wanted me to identify the cars in the book and just on a bit of a contract and uh, said, yeah, sure, I'd love to, happy to, that sounds good. And the book never went ahead for whatever reason, I don't know why. Oh, what a shame. Yeah. It's a good book. And I, yeah, yeah I mean, well, it did look quite, quite good. Yeah. <laughs> I saw, anyway, maybe yeah, maybe. No, no, I'll give her a call. <laughs> I was going to say, Alex, what did you have to pay? It's <laughs> 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 something public, it's a publication, yeah. Um, and uh, then we just got to talking. Um, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. We had at the time I was still writing the column, and uh, she, she said, "You know, love to work with you at some stage." And I said, "That well, that'd be great." And then sort of hung up and didn't talk to her for a while. In the meantime, the column came to an end in February 2019, and uh, I said, "Well, uh, got in touch with her. What do you think about you know?" You mentioned, you know, maybe doing something else. And um, I said, look, I just finished writing this column. I've got a lot of old stories that were uh, actually about 1,150 stories from the last 21 years. Um, Maybe we could have a chat about that. And um, I felt so fortunate because almost all the time you hear about uh, authors having to chase publishers Mm to get their manuscripts read. Sure. And right from the start, um, Jane was just so enthusiastic about working on this book and I've really got to thank her kindly so much because she um, was just saw her vision from the start of how the book was could look and she communicated that to me and I started to get excited. But I've got to say, um, to, my, to quote my good friend Graham Cox, um, any book is, is uh, a feat of endurance rather than a feat of creative mm-hmm. spark of let's just yeah. do this Red you know, fortnight. Yeah, yeah, and many others, you know, Chassis mm-hmm. 9191, uh, 141, sorry, the um, uh, Peter Briggs uh, oh, the Bentley, Bentley yeah. the, the 1922 Bentley, the Le Mans car. Um, and I know uh, there was another author involved with that, but he was, you know, involved as well. But anyway, so, yeah, um, <clears throat> she was really keen to move it forward um, and it was just fitting in between my full-time job at the RAC, working nights on weekends and just – and they were very flexible, they were quite elastic with when they could mm. work with me and I sort of would take some time off every now and then to go and – Sit there, and but one of the biggest tasks was just choosing those stories. Which seventy out of the one thousand one hundred and fifty odd stories do you how, put how in there? How did that number come about? The how 70? did the size of the book get decided? Um, you know what I mean. Uh, I'm, I'm just curious about the process. It's a boring answer, just that it's a really it's a business decision. Yeah, and, okay. yeah, and sure. it was just how 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 thick does the book need to be? Is it a hardcover or not? How much is it going to cost? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, are we going to shoot for the coffee table market or is it going to be a much more of an academic thing and obviously you know the yeah you know because classic cars are so visual um it really did need to be a, a coffee table type of a book and uh it had to be 
more as much or maybe even more about the people around the cars and the people that restore them and the people that drive them and race them and research them and build their lives around them uh, as much as or say more than the cars so um, it and it couldn't be it couldn't be just a list of specs or this car was made this time yeah, with sure. this engine. Because we can, everyone can find that of out. Of course they can. This day and age but, the internet. But what I really wanted to do with it was to bring to life and back into the public space stories that were published in a, in a paper in the 1990s on a Saturday, no internet. On the Sunday, everyone's vegetable peelings were in, them, in the bin mm. and the story's gone forever. How awesome would it be to bring some of those stories back and have them maybe a bit more have a bit more permanency to them than, um, you know, a, a daily newspaper that that disappears. The fact that it was about <clears throat> the people as much as the cars. Do you think that's what gave the column its longevity? I think you hit the nail on the head there, Mark. Yeah, um, <clears throat> because it was people conveying their experiences with cars that people couldn't find out anywhere else. And even sure, after yeah. the internet arrived, um, you had to go to the paper to find out that story because you couldn't find out that yeah. in some listing elsewhere. And it was quoting people directly. So they were telling me exactly what they thought. And the, probably the, one of the biggest values of the, of the column and the book even now is that so many people that are in the book that I spoke to are now in the on the racetrack in the sky, um, and so it was it made it that much more meaningful to be able to um, uh, reignite their stories and and bring them back to life and put them Mark, in the book. Mark, are you mentioned in the book at all? Anywhere at all? No, anywhere at all? No, no nowhere. nowhere. Just, I think I got a page and a half, actually. <laughs> <laughs> just, just put it out there. I didn't get a watch, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they tried it. Well, that was a great story about the, the white mouse yeah. and, and your, you helping it get it was, back to where, he, it, where it is. Have you got Jack? Does it involve Jack? Jack, Jack Nelson. Nelson, of course. Yeah. The new Jack. Oh, Jack Del Barone. Yeah, the new yeah. owner of the car. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so this was um, the car's restoration before. This is an old 410-based racing special. Oh, I'm very familiar with the car. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and Simon helped uh, bring pay, it back to life. Pay the restoration. I did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very painful exercise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, don't worry. You did you just have to pay your half. Cost your fortune. With regards to the column itself why did it stop uh again that was it was a pretty unsensational uh ending they just said we don't want to pay contributors anymore um and they were just um looking to do more of their um produce more of their copy in-house okay. um and because i was replaced it like i remember i, I actually I don't remember the actual event itself, but I remember going, where's Idle Talk? <laughs> Where is it? It's, I'm sure I saw something in the contents, but I can't find it in the yeah. papers here. What was it called? It was basically a um, 10 things you like about cars and your car. 
Yeah. Um, oh, the fr- um, my wheels. Yeah, my wheels. Yeah. yeah, I was in that too, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. You know that? <laughs> no, no. Look, you know, they called me. I said I couldn't do it because I, I like what Alex did too much. <laughs> um, they yeah. still do that, don't they? I, I don't know. I, who reads the West? Anyway? <laughs> well, it's interesting we talk about this because I was going to bring this up earlier. My regular exposure to automotive journalism now is two people because I subscribe to Weekend Australia, and that is Stephen Corbett and... Uh, Corbett, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, the, and the idiot of Top Gear, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> Jeremy Clarkson. Now, they're really the only two, and like, you know, they both, I brought up cliches earlier, they're both, they're both experts at it, but very few people can go to a level of Stephen Corbett with mm. cliches. It's not a fight you're going to win. You know what I mean? Yeah, Stephen, he's great. I like. I know Stephen. He's I mean, fantastic. He's a great author. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, great journal. I enjoy his mm. articles. And yeah. in all honesty, a lot of the stuff he writes is similar. Thought process is mm. my own. Might be an age thing. He's probably about my age. You know, so I relate to it. And mm. I'm probably fit right in the perfect demographic of who's going to pick up that weekend Australian magazine yeah. and flip through the car section <laughs> and look at it, you know. You know. Dumb white male, you know, <laughs> you know, in his 50s. So, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm probably right in his sweet spot yeah, for... Tragic, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the Clarkson thing, my goodness, it's, it's like a train wreck. I can't not read it. I can't mm. not look at it because I know I know what the outcome's going to be, you know, but I can't not read it because... Yeah. That's his shtick. Yeah, isn't it? Right? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the farm series he did? No, I didn't. Oh, the, t- the TV I, show. I know what you mean. Yeah, I yeah. love it. You're talking about TV show? Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't. I, mm. Like he, he still harps on about this stupid farm. Every single car he relates to now in the weekend Australian, <laughs> it's killing me. Can you talk about anything else? I don't care if you had to put a sheep in the back of your uh, XKR Jag. You know, yeah. <laughs> for Christ's sake. <laughs> Did you? Um, sorry, um, it's Go on. something that is relevant to me. Do you see that, um, Captain Kirk? Got uh, fired into uh, space for fifteen minutes. William Shatner, you know, the Star Trek. <laughs> that was uh, last week, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's at at ninety really? or something, wow. yeah. he spent fifteen minutes in space. It's it's incredible. incredible. That's fantastic. Isn't that great? I, you know, that's just part part of my childhood. I, I'm a tragic Star Trek fan. Are you? Right. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm an idiot for it. You know what I mean? Like, wow. It's but that's just me. You know, like did, I like sci-fi stuff. Did you know that he? Early on in his life, proposed to Stevie Nicks. Did you know that? Did you know? I'll tell you something better. No, Did no, you know there are just, thousands of people no, no, in no, the no, audience no. that have also done the same? Hold on. Uh, he actually did, you know, propose to Stevie Nicks, but she knocked back his offer because she didn't want to be known as... Um, 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 Stevie, Stevie Shatner? Sh- no, Stevie Shatner Nicks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, Stevie Shannon. Firstly, I'm going to apologise for listeners. No, it's just three names: Stevie Shannon X. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So the um, let's lift the standard here just a touch, okay? We'll get a five star review now. Yeah, oh, like that. It was touch and go before. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, tell me, what are the real standout moments? Of the writing for Idle Talk, the uh, article. Like, you must have a couple that are just the. That, I can't believe that happened. Was it our trip to the wharf to pick up my piranha? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I enjoyed that. 
Um, look, Simon, it, it doesn't compare to some of the experiences and but look, it probably it, exceeds others. It, it can, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it exceeds plenty because sometimes it just was just not um, was just writing some news or some yeah. offshore, you know, so that was yeah. or just me having a harp on about how hard it was to bleed the brakes by myself and the Volvo in the shed or something like that and hoping someone else can relate to that. Yeah, they're great. Anyway, look, the Look, the column took me all over the world, so I was so excited to be able to get to the Ferrari factory and the Maserati factory um, and to get to the Le Mans Museum as well. That was awesome. Um, but there, I really had a Ferris Bueller moment, you know, in the movie where he just slides down to the seat of the car with that look on his face and, yeah, and yeah, there's yeah. that... What car was it? It was the same brand um, and I had turned up just for what I thought was a viewing of the Lindsay Fox collection of Porsches and Ferraris sure. and Mercedes Benzes. Mm -hmm. And I met the curator at the museum. I said, oh, Brian, how are you going? And, and he had this F40 out the front. And <laughs> next to it was an F50. Oh, I said, oh, thanks. So this, is this the photo? That's awesome because I just lined up nose to nose. And he said, um... Yeah, okay, I suppose we can take some photos if you want. Um, I said, okay, cool. And so I took some photos and then he said, right, do you want to go for a drive? <laughs> <laughs> and I was in my late 20s then and uh, I, I had that thought process really quickly of this is never going to happen to me again. What a, this is a great story for the grandkids. Let's go. And um, I just had to... In the moment, make that call, and I was also thinking, well, this is a left-hand drive car. It's an Italian car, so I'm not going to fit into it because I'm six foot two, and um, I'm just going to say yes anyway because this is a very special moment. And um, so we hopped in the F41st, and it was just the car that was at the peak of mm. technology, weight saving. And at that precipice of, you know, pre-electronics. Mm. And it was everything, the best of all those things in one car with these tyres that are as wide as the length of my shin. And, um, but in a car weighing, what do they weigh, so seven, 800 kilos or something like that? And, I look, it was... I had to find that place of am I do I be conservative and then come back regretting it, but I can't go over the top because I, then I end up like that dentist in 1992 that somewhere oh. in the desert and uh, so I had to find that place where you can do something memorable and be um, and but but not go over the top and so just a few bursts of acceleration and. And, uh, you know, when you, the, the wheels want to spin at the speed limit on a freeway, it gets exciting, especially in a car that even then was worth a lot of money. Oh. And um, plus when I'm not fitting into it and it's a left-hand drive car and I'm changing gears with my right hand, which for most people is normal around the world. The way Enzo intended. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and, um, but, uh, and then... You know, th thoughts about insurance kicked into my mind, and and then 
got back to the life um, insurance. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, got back to swaps you get in the F50. Then we got in the F50. And uh, that was a lot more drivable. That because first looks like my neck could be straight because we could take the target roof off, and sure. I'd just only be looking at the windscreen top of the top, windscreen yeah, bar sure. and had to duck down. But that was more comfortable. Um, but the power delivery of that V12 is a lot more linear than the, the F2 turbo yeah. monster. Into yeah, the, that's right. So the, it was right. just and you know obviously 1980s turbos switch. Yeah, yeah. and oh, that's all out. <laughs> um, so that felt a lot more. Tame. What year was that? That I did that? Yes. Uh, 99. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, and he's also, as you would know, Mark, uh, got the 550 Spider that was built, I think, just after James Dean's car, was mm-hmm. it? The blue one. Mm-hmm. And I managed to have a look at that. Didn't drive that car, but, you know, that was just an absolute little jewel of a car. Mm. And to stand next to one of those, I don't know if you've ever... Well, it's stand... like that big in real life. Yeah, that's right. It's, just, it's like the Matchbox cars are a 50, a one, half size. Yeah, that's um, right. Uh, and, you know, if you ever stand next... If we, we've all seen photos, of, for example, like a Lamborghini Mura online, and they look like quite big cars. But you stand next to one, yeah, or yeah, or you see a person in it, um, and they're quite tiny Some little things. Yeah, that's vintage. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, which look like monsters in every photo you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I raced against a Lamborghini Mura. Did and, you really? And uh, Jack Brabham. Wow. Yeah. In Tiger. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he had good humour. That man. Yeah. We were uh, on some back road, and we had a bag of flour, which you just wind down the window a little bit. You hold the bag of flour up to it, and the Venturi sucks the contents <laughs> out of it. And it was Jack that was following us. <laughs> <laughs> Look, without being too rude about the, those who have passed, um, I'm sure you'll also be aware that Jack was renowned for, I don't know, at least at Cavisham, for maybe just driving a little bit on the edge of the track to kick a few rocks up oh, yeah. here and there. Um, Black Jack. Black you, Jack, you yeah. You've got your can. Mm. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, interestingly, you know, comparison to what you story what you just said, I've also been fortunate enough to drive an F40 mm. back in um, 95, 96 it would have been. How did you fit? Like a glove. Yeah, I thought so. And it's built for people more so I saw it. And um, the car was, I, I don't know if you're aware, but when you ordered an F40 new, you went for a seat fitting. Mm, that makes sense. And the original owner was a Singaporean whose stature was not too dissimilar to my own, so I fit in it quite well, which is mm. to my benefit because the person I worked with at the time, he was given responsibility of the motor car but couldn't fit in it. He's more your stature than mine, mm-hmm. okay? Manly so, man, yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Proper, proper <laughs> guy, girl, proper yeah. bloke. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why his watch won't work. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so... I, was, uh, I had to do some work on that motor vehicle to prepare it for an event, and Mark, we can't leave it here for the weekend. We're not insured. Can you take it home? Jeez. Mm. Yes, I can. <laughs> okay, so I left at 4 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon from a Welsh pool and returned on Monday morning at 9am, wow. and mm. yeah, I lived in Broome Street, Cottesloe, parked at my garage. I reckon I put about... 300 kilometres on it on Sunday. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> and I drove it everywhere. Yeah. It was, yeah, similar experience to you. Mm. That whole sat in and, oh, my goodness, mm. this is things unbelievable. Yeah. Mm. But, yeah, power delivery was yeah. exorbitant. Yeah. Oh, Onto yeah. real cars, 
What? Uh, tell me about <laughs> the acquisition of the P-1800. That's, yes, great. Right idea. Let's hear about that. Well, that was um, sourced from back in the days when you could look at a paper newspaper. Sunday Times? Uh, yeah, it was the Sunday Times or the West. I'm not sure which one. Probably the Sunday Times. And you, there would be pages and pages of cars advertised mm. in there. And um, recently I looked in um, in the West and it was a sort of a yeah, four page eights. with everything. And mm. anyway, so, yeah, I found it in the back of, in the back of uh, the, uh, the Sunday Times, and there was another one actually as well, an earlier model uh, at sixty three, I think, mm-hmm. also green, sixty eight. And again, this the was one. yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you love about it? What endears you? you know yeah, I'm, I'm curious as well. I know someone who's restoring one at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how robust they are. I love how, oh, their looks, of course. Yeah, well, yeah fantastic. Yeah, right. the, design, like, um, the greatest design that's ever come out of Sweden, in my mm, opinion, mm. right? But in fact, um, it's probably the only design. Everything else is just a box. Yeah, it's a, it's a function. <laughs> it's a tool. With an Allen key. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can't fix the Volvo with an Allen key. Good, but Now, looking back, I lo- if you ask me, 20, 30 years ago, I probably would have said, oh, it's transport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, because I was 18. But uh, now it really does, it gives you a very vintage driving experience, not similar to the 356. Yeah, sure. It's quite a vertical steering wheel. And Is it the size of a... Uh... The, the original one was, and I've got that hanging on my wall in my garage, yeah, okay. but um, for practical purpose, with modern rubber these days, you can put wider tyres and they, it feels the same mm-hmm. as the old 165s that run sure. from new. Um, so I love that it feels so different from the mm-hmm. modern cars I get to road test every week. I'm in a different new car every week for work, which is the most incredible um, yeah. opportunity that I've – it's incredible. Privilege, to, we call it. Privilege. Um, so to get out of those cars and into a car that needs so much more input than a modern car does, that gives you so much feedback. And I also feel very happy when I get back and everything's gone well. <laughs> it hasn't dumped any fluid on the ground. It, I mean, they're reliable. Simon knows more than anyone that you can give them a very hard time and they, they lap it up. Um, I like the idea just that everything is getting turned over and hot and condensation is getting burnt off from where it needs to get burnt off from because the car's been sitting for two weeks or whatever. Um, does it get, how often does it get driven? About that often. Yeah, about fortnightly, weather permitting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the last two times I drove it, we were in driving rain, actually. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and I didn't like doing that, but I thought, well, it's going to run as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's just that um, that vintage feel. Does it get babied more now than when you were younger? Baby would be a far too strong a term. Yeah. Okay. Um, because we've obviously coming out of having real babies, um, mm. they take precedence for the sure. most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they're getting older and they're showing an interest in the car, and that's the other thing I really like about it now. And what you love about your cars is. Younger people have not seen that car before. They don't really know the history. And when there's a 19-year-old person in the street looking at my car going, what the, is that? Um, and they, they do things like start filming it when I'm reversing out of a car park in Leadable. 
just because it's a interesting old like car. Nothing it's else. a shock. And it's really cool that the young crew like that stuff too. It is. And there's plenty of young people that love their Japanese sports cars and that's mm. that's awesome too. It's great that there's people finding interest in something that's not a screen is awesome. Um, and and it builds community, you know, both, you know, I think that's really important and the people are getting together physically um, and we're lucky in yeah. WA that we can do that. But um, I think any enthusiasm for any car is fantastic. Um, and it's And it's... But I find it really cool that people who were born in the last 20 years of this car's life and this car's 53 years old um, can appreciate it and they like it and I think it's because it's so different from whatever car they're driving. So, you know, it's it's really nice to be able to talk to them and say, oh, you know, whatever they want to know about it. Have you still got the bumper bars off it or are they back on it? I've got the front bumper on. That's always been on it. Um, I do have the rear bumpers in my shed. Um, but I sort of think it looks all right without the oh, bumper yeah. on the back. Oh, yeah. Um, Gorgeous. And I've been meaning to get a, some new bumper brackets because um, when I was younger and sillier, I decided to um, turn one of the rear bumper brackets into a, a toe point, and I just took the bumpers <laughs> off and just curled the metal around and, and had it welded together and <laughs> into a large towing loop when I was Bless using you. it on the track, and um, the, 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 it was reluctant to return to its former yeah, I might, Guys. I might be mistaken, but did your brother have a, a three-litre coupe BMW? He does. He's still got it. Still yeah, got he's a, got a... Sort of primrose, a, not, a sort of rose petal colour. You're right. He did have that car. Um, that car, unfortunately, suffered a, a bad crash, mm. and so that became a parts car for his current car, which is a, I guess I'd call it a navy metallic blue yeah. uh, three-litre. Um, when you say three-litre, you're talking BMW like... BMW Cooper. E9. E9, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Lovely. and it's a beautiful car. He's done an amazing job on the car. To me, probably yeah, probably one of the best looking BMWs ever. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that yeah. ratio of greenhouse yeah. to mm. body and body jewelry. Yeah. Oh yes, stunning. Oh, stunning. Yeah, beautiful car. Right, um, right up there. I yeah. I tell you, what, it's a company of extremes. They make some absolute stunners and some absolute shockers. Stinkers, yeah. What do you reckon is the last good one they made? I reckon the Z4 M Coupe. Yeah, oh, you would the clan shoe. The clan shoe. That's the Z3. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I like that too. Yeah, of course you do. I reckon the Z8. What do you reckon? Yeah, Z8. It's good. Z8. Um, Still oh, a great looking car. Mm. Oh, I would go right back to the old, um, that old, what's that, 50? The 2002, you mean? Or? No, the. Um, What's that old that old roadster that they made about two hundred and eighty of? Yeah, that's the last one, but the good looking. Oh, not the last one. I think that was a gorgeous car. Yeah, that was. Yeah. That's not the eldest um, car. What was that? Yeah, called? that's right. Yeah, um, it's a five hundred seven. Oh, five hundred seven. I think it is a five hundred seven. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yep. Some will correct us. Yeah. Oh, what else? Um, but I tell you what, they excel at uh, ugly right now. E46 is a really nice and proportioned car mm. as well. E30s um, are fabulous. Oh, they're great too. I, yeah. I tell you what, I, on the weekend, I went and picked up a harness bar for my Yaris from an owner down south somewhere, right? And he had... What's a harness bar? It's a thing that goes across the back of your car. You can put harnesses in it. Okay. Yeah. You know, to tie the harnesses to yeah, the back. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, anyway, he had a E30 M3. And it oh, was yeah. a cracker. Yeah. Black. BBS wheels, so of the era, it was incredible. Mm-hmm. And I saw it at Tulsa. That's pumped guards, the whole thing yeah, was just yeah. 
Yeah, I forgot how good looking they were, you know, because yeah. you just don't see them anymore. Those big two doors, yeah, yeah, yeah they're great, yeah. Um, yeah, but to, yeah, th- those experiences were awesome. Uh, and but uh, I could definitely relate to you as well about that lamb taking that F forty home because um, we did a story about um, when the fir- when the new Lamborghini Huracan came out. Oh yeah, okay. And um, this wasn't a part of the column. This is occasion I put my hand up to the old other story, and I thought oh, everyone's the ones you about- sell your soul for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought oh, this is what an opportunity. Yeah. yeah sure. So okay, well, let's just pitch this story. I thought, what about we do a story about what's it like living with a brand new Lamborghini. I'm not talking about driving them on racetracks or zero mm. to hundred times. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about kids at school, um, two liters of milk from the servo. Cougars. More, hey, more, yeah. more importantly, what color was it? It was bright metallic orange. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Good and the sports color. exhaust on it. And I've turned up to Barbagallo's and I said, I just um, spoke to Natalie just about that um, – uh, hurricane I was going to pick up this afternoon. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, and they spent about half an hour running around. I thought it wasn't going to come through. So and they ended up going, have, they had to go to another warehouse to um, get it from this and get it from the warehouse. They turned up and it arrived. And I thought it was some demo car, but it was actually a brand new car. Really? And I thought, this is pretty awesome to be able to drive out of Barbagallo in an actually a brand, brand new Lamborghini. Yeah. Um, and it had, uh, I think, about 23 kilometres on the clock or something. <laughs> I gave it back with about 340 on yeah, the clock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two tanks of fuel through it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was a really fun few days because it was just you get to do everything that you always yeah. wanted to do in an awesome really incredible car and see all the response and I got to share it with my best mates and a couple of guys from work and um, I did take it to the track as well because you've got to take a Lamborghini to the track if you've got the opportunity. So that was just a, you know, I got to show family and, you know, you see people's response on the road. Didn't see your wife for three days. No, I was absent. (laughs) (laughs) And all the kids really, yeah, right, yeah. and and um, but it got a bit dangerous where because it was such a crazy looking car mm. and just driving along on Grand Front Freeway, there's a guy trying to drive into you, trying to look at the car, film the car, and drive his car at the same time, and he sort of was weaving around behind me. Then he went past me, still trying to film me with his phone, and then. Ahead of me, he was trying to look back and sort of hold his phone backwards. And it was, if I sort of dropped right back, I thought, oh, this is getting a bit hairy. So, anyway. What did you say about the Lambo, about the track? I don't associate ever Lambos and track. I think Ferrari and track because racing mm, heritage. Mm. I don't think of Lambos as that, you know. Yeah, and, I agree. Yeah. And I think often I love Lambos, but there's about three places in the world you can drive it without being, we can get out of it. Without everyone looking at it going, look at that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, um, you, I I do agree. Um, but at the time, because the car was so new, you really felt a lot of sort of just happiness coming my way. And you're enthusiast, you wouldn't. Yeah. I would, I'm okay being the knob. Yeah. I'm all right with that. Yeah. 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 But it's just, the, the stigma that goes with Yeah, there is. It's, you know, it's one of the good things about Porsche. It doesn't have as big a stigma about it. Mm. Ferrari's in the middle somewhere, you know. Mm. 
the older the Ferrari, the more credibility yeah. you've got, I think. Porsches may be the later model Porsches. There might be. Yeah, a, yeah, a little bit. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. I see your car on the road. I would just say, well done, mate. That is such yeah. a and beautiful. You know, even old 911s, Longwood 911s. People yeah, ex- ex- absolutely. Yeah. And to a yeah. degree, a lot of G series cars, even 993s. Mm. Once you get in the water cooled cars, it's starting to get a bit yeah. fit, yeah. dry. <laughs> you're in a 992, you're a dentist. True in the classic car rallies, the early classic car mm. rallies. Um, yeah. We ran that little team, my, my buddy Reese and I, um, we were called the Crash Test Dummies, and we ran yeah. a 122 Volvo. as Volvo. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course yeah. And so we'd arrive in the mornings at the, for the briefings and stuff, and they'd be the guys in their driving suits and driving shoes, and probably with their string back gloves on, and they were the Porsche drivers. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they were all together, and we'd walk past them and say, good morning, drug dealers. That was an awesome car, that 122 SE. That was such a beautifully done car, so much so that the guy that worked on mine Mm. when I went to have the engine rebuilt, and you'll, I'm sure, remember, uh, he said to me, look, before you you get us to do the work on your engine, just go and see this guy called Simon. (laughs) He's got this... Awesome one, one, two, two. You might want to see how his engine feels in his car. He might give you a drive. And so I rang you up and said, Oh, Wayne told me I should maybe come and see you and have a look at your car. And so he said, This is where I work. And so I came into your work and you gave me, gave me the keys to your car. And it just felt so sharp and mm. pointy. And it was coming yeah, from. Are talking about Volvos? <laughs> we, are. we are. It was, and it, well, Maybe that was exaggerated more because my car was so old and yes. worn out. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but I got out of that car thinking, oh well, okay. So this is how far you can take yeah. a classic Volvo. And the torque curve was the thing. It, it wasn't mm. a curve. It was flat. Mm. It just pulled mm. like a tr- like yeah. tractor. Yeah. It yeah. just pulled. Yeah. Big, uh, big capacity, mm. low piston count. Two and a half liter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tends to do that as a general rule. Pulled like those. Um, Porsche drivers that you said hello to. Indeed, yeah. yes. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> well, um, so, look, I think we've covered a lot of topics here. It's um, We've been going for a while. It's been great having you, Alex, and shameless plug, let's talk about the book quickly. Yeah, Idle Talk, um, Stories for Classic Car Enthusiasts, can be bought at all good bookshops and online. How's it selling? It's selling amazingly, actually, Simon. It's, we've surprise. nearly sold the whole print run, and we have, I think, maybe just enough for Christmas. It's that article in. with me in it, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's what's selling it <laughs> completely. You know what? And yeah. the reason it hasn't sold out is because it's not one of me. <laughs> <laughs> now, our next week's guest is Justin Walker, talking about classic cars and coffee. Yeah. Okay? And talking about nutcase, Swedish cars, French cars, this guy loves anything that's kooky. I know you're going to love it. So, mm. Right? And let's just continue the Volvo talk. Let's. Can we? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we will drive Volvo. Yeah, okay. <laughs> of course, of course. And um, Alex, we really appreciate you coming this evening. It's been great having you here. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, Mark. It's been an honour. Thanks, Simon. And um, listeners out there, please leave Apple, iTunes, reviews. Still got some giveaways. You leave a review, get in touch with me. I'll send you a treat. The next watch is mine. <laughs> now I've got some <laughs> bottles of wine still from our friends at uh, Calmedia. I've got some magazines from our friends at Benzine. Nice yeah, reading. it is a great mag. Great and um, the week after next, we've got him on, the editor. Oh, beautiful. Jack Quinn. Okay. So anyway, thanks all you listeners for listening. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.